Tuesday. We're masking their name, but see if you can guess who it is. It rhymes with Iman and Ooster. Hyman and Ooster. <laughs> I'm never getting published. I'm terrified to write a book someday. Mostly because of this podcast. <laughs> Welcome to The Worst Thing We Read This Week, where we talk about the books that we hate to love and love to hate. I'm Caitlin. And I am a nice guest, aka Savannah. <laughs> I think this is my favorite title that I've gotten so far. Uh, weekly disclaimer is a little bit different this week. I just want to say, first of all, if this is a series that you enjoy, we're not trying to shame you for that, and you are welcome to like whatever you like. But um, this week, we... Ran into some roadblocks with After We Fell that we will go into a little bit later, but I just want everyone to know that we will not be doing an in-depth coverage review, of the book, yeah. review mm-hmm. of the book like we usually do, um, because we ran into a couple of things that were very largely problematic, and we're not going to apologize for those, but it is going to be a little bit of a more solemn episode, so just be aware of that if that's not what you're looking for right now. Yep, we're going to talk about trigger warnings and some pretty heavy topics, including sexual assault and abusive relationships. And I am going to take the time after this episode to go through and add trigger warnings to each of our episodes because we think that that's something that's important. So uh, just be aware, we will put a timestamp in the notes below, but we are going to cover a couple of big things that happened in After We Fell. And then we are going to talk about four books that cover sexual assault in a very uh, healthy and I don't want to say positive way because positive feels like a bad word, but help me with words, Caitlin. Books that do a good job of being respectful to victims and survivors. No, I like that. So uh, just be aware of all of that and we'll explain a little bit more after our usual intro here. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll put we'll put a timestamp in the description just saying when our happy reviews are going to happen. Um, And again, yeah, if you missed it, we have a bonus episode that came out when you're listening to this last week. So, and since these episodes are not spoiler free, we do still want to give you guys an updated book list. So on the 28th of May, we have Finale by Stephanie Garber. And uh, Savannah, I know I speak for you when I say that uh, we are both very excited for this book. Yes, you may say that. (laughs) Um, And then on the 11th of June, we have Untamed by Kristen and PC Cast. And I am also very excited for that book because it is uh, about as lighthearted and ridiculous as you can get on this podcast. And what I'm most excited for is the fact that, uh, I mean, I'm not happy about the circumstances about which it came about, but we will be removing the rest of the after series from our reading list. So Um, this is a first for us. We are mm -hmm. DNFing a series. So I'm not going to read the full summary on the back because that is like a chapter long and no one wants that. Basically, the point we're at, Tessa wants to move to Seattle. Harden does not want to move to Seattle, so he's being really shitty about it, as expected. There's some drama with Zed because Zed's going to press charges because Tessa's lovely boyfriend has beat his face in last episode and... um, Unreasonably, (laughs) Zed would like to press charges against Harden. That bitch. How dare (laughs) he. In fact... In fact, that whole plot line was completely overshadowed by everything else, but that was equally as ridiculous as no, everything he, else he, that goes he on. He pops up every once in a while and he's like, I'm going to press charges. And Tess is like, oh my God, I hate him. Why would he do this to me? 
<laughs> um, and in the background, Tessa's abusive drug addict alcoholic father has popped back up out of the woodworks. He has not changed at all, but he would like to get to know her better and drink a lot with Harden. That's all I've got to say. Oh, future Savannah never had her her time in the spotlight. <laughs> Thanks for butting in where you're not wanted future Savannah. That was very mean. God. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, oh, I don't even know where to start. Okay, so like in the in the beginning of the episode when Savannah was giving the disclaimer, um, there was a lot of talk about trigger warnings and how we will not be finishing this series. I'm gonna go ahead and just explain what happened, I guess. Um, to start with, like I joked when we did the first book about how how Harden reminds me a lot of my ex-boyfriend that I had a a while back that was uh, very emotionally abusive and controlling. I think I just like want to explain kind of where my headspace was. So like one, this book is, it it brings up a lot with my past relationship. And then on top of that, the whole lying (laughs) issue of Hardin and Tessa like arguing about moving to Seattle kind of like brought up a lot. Not triggering wise, but just like emotionally because I went through that with my most recent relationship. Um, and then we come to a very disgusting scene. Do we just want to say what it is? Yeah, I think we could bring it up now. Tessa and Harden end up breaking up again. And Tessa goes to a party alone. Her friend Steph, <laughs> who's been her very good friend this entire time, sets up this plan with Dan. Dan is a guy whose sister had sex with Harden and Harden taped her without her knowledge and posted it online. It was something that we talked about last book. So in order to get revenge, Dan and Steph come up with this plan where they are going to date rape drug Tess and then they are going to uh, take her into this room at the party and undress her and take pictures with her and Dan to make it look like Dan sexually assaulted her while she was passed out. And then they're going to send them to Harden. They go into a very detailed account of what happens because Tessa is still conscious throughout all of this. And it's very marketed for shock value. And there are a lot of disgusting moments where like other people are backing out of this plan because they're feeling gross about themselves. They're backing out, but they're not stopping it. Right. They're, They're still complicit in what's going on. Right. And so you're getting her perspective through all of this. And it's just... It didn't hit me the same way that it hit you, but it. I remember pausing and just thinking, what the fuck am I reading right now? When we read after, we often joke about, like, the shit that comes up throughout this book. Because normally it's like you have... She puts a lot of things in for shock value just to be shocking, which I don't know if I can falter for that. Me and Savannah have had very in-depth... Uh, arguments about this and I do see where where you're coming from and I can I can understand where she thinks it's okay because she started publishing on Wattpad and on Wattpad all you do is post shocking shit but Mm. when I read that and Savannah had texted me and she was like dude you have like there is something that neither one of us saw coming like I can't wait for you to get to that point and then I I read it and I like I felt sick to my stomach. I was reading that scene and I was like openly like weeping. (laughs) Like I was, I've never cried so much while reading a book because it's just so disgusting and triggering. And I called Savannah and I was sobbing and I was like, I can't, I don't know how I'm going to do this episode. 
at that point I was just like okay we're not finishing the book we're not finishing the series put it down um I think we both thought that this was something that was important to still talk about though so I again I'm sorry if this is a little bit of a downer episode but I think it's really important especially on a book review podcast because we've run up against this before but never quite like this this is why I'm going to be adding trigger warnings to the beginnings of our episodes because it opened up a really helpful dialogue between Caitlin and I, where I brought up the fact that, oh, you know what, I was just reading something a week ago, um, and I have never specifically struggled with an eating disorder, but it was about disordered eating, and it set me off real fast, um, and I had a very not good day and a very not good week, and... I think it just goes to show that you never really know what's going to be triggering for you or other people. And you can have read scenes that are similar or exactly the same thing yeah. for over and over and over again. And then this is your 50th time reading it and it just hits you differently. And that's totally normal and that's totally fine. Um, but I, I think that means that it's our responsibility as we're talking about those things to put those warnings in the notes. So I will be adding those uh, this week. It's funny because I've always been the one that's been like the, I don't want to say the proponent for these books because like that's not the right word for it. I, <laughs> right. I didn't, I never liked these books, but at the same time, like I did kind of enjoy torturing myself by reading them. This book just takes such a sharp turn and like as someone who's like experienced sexual trauma and sexual assault, like I'm not comfortable. I, quite frankly, I don't think I've ever talked about it at all. Um, but, and I, I'm not, I'm certainly not going to get into it here. And, and I will just say that, like, it, it wasn't even something that was remotely similar to what happened in this book. But I think that just goes to show, like, you legitimately have no idea what's going to trigger you or set you off. Savannah and I are both really big fans of true crime, for example. Right. <laughs> and, like, listening to very gruesome details of, uh, crimes and, and whatnot. And, and then this just happened. I agree. You Like, you never know. I mean, there are, I'm sure there are people who have read this whole series and this might be your favorite series and that scene might not have set you off at all. And that is totally fine. Like, that was why I added in the disclaimer, we're not shaming you for anything that you enjoy. But at the same time, I think it is important to recognize when you are triggered or upset or hurt by something and it's okay to put that away and leave it alone and not right. go back to it. Right. Like, take care of yourself, y'all. I, I mean, I don't know. This entire, like, the whole first part of this book is, I, I had mentioned this earlier, but it is um, Hardin becoming more and more abusive and Tessa becoming more and more fed up with that behavior. This book reads like it's supposed to be a dark romance, but even in dark romances, like, trauma can still be handled well. You know what I mean? I don't know. You have you have Hardin that's trying to like isolate her from her family. He's very against her moving to Seattle. So he's doing things to try and manipulate her. Last book, he beat the shit out of Zed. And this book, at the very beginning, he has his uh, like hearing with the school to see if he's going to get kicked out. He doesn't get kicked out, but he tells Tessa that he's expelled because he knows it's going to uh, like change her mindset into her thinking that she should stay in wherever the fuck with him. He'll also, like, promise to marry her, for example, if she doesn't move to Seattle. So it's just, like, fucked up. But in mind. six years. Not yes. now. In yes. six years. Exactly. A specific amount of time. Well, and you also have the first introduction of a gay character in this book. Oh, and God. 
that gay character is used as a prop to make Tessa jealous because Hardin intentionally doesn't tell Tessa her sexual orientation because he knows that this hot lesbian is going to make Tessa jealous. And, so, okay, wait, I said I didn't have anything left to say. No, please go ahead, yeah. So he makes Tessa jealous by flirting with her verbally and physically all mm-hmm. night. He's all over her. She has expressed that she has no interest in him whatsoever. That's gross, first of all, that he's just like entitled to her body because he has to make his girlfriend jealous. Then we are introduced to her girlfriend who is the only black character in the entire book and she or is a person the, of color at all to be frank yes yes <laughs> and she is the angry black bisexual girl who is described as very loose like she's gone out with everyone she's just as abusive as Harden. it is really gross another thing i was going to bring up and this is maybe slightly more light-hearted but not really is they have a Tessa and Hardin have this whole argument this is this is when they first break this is when they end up breaking up and then Hardin makes her jealous they have sex and Hardin doesn't put a condom on and he somehow (laughs) blames Tessa and says that she's trying to get pregnant so that he can't leave her when she moves to Seattle. And there's just, like, this whole ridiculous fucking argument where he didn't put the condom on and somehow in his brain he's worked it out that she did it intentionally to get him to stay with her. Follow the logic on that one. (laughs) Um, this whole book is just a big bummer. I think the reason, one of the biggest reasons that it is a big bummer is because it was adapted from Wattpad into a novel. And this is an unpopular opinion. I feel like Wattpad and fanfiction and uh, archive of our own, online publishing sites like that, I I mean, I've, gro- I've grown up with them. I've grown up reading them. I've grown up writing them. It's great practice. It's a great way to meet other authors. It's Yeah, I agree. I, I like, wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. I mean, I have a, I have a fucking shitty ass book right. published on Wattpad. <laughs> oh my like... god, we're going to read that to y'all someday. <laughs> no. No, we're we are. Not. <laughs> if you pay us enough money, we will. <laughs> I will read it. I know where to find it. Hit $50 a month on Patreon. Slide You'll into be able my to hear it. <laughs> Just Venmo me and I will get you the goods. I mean, there's there's 12-year-olds writing and there's like 60-year-olds writing and there's mm-hmm. a huge range of quality of writing and style of writing and topic of writing. And I get that. You can also put trigger warnings in, which is great. Um, you can write for as long as you want and you can find your niche a lot easier than you can with books, I feel like. Fan fiction was not meant to be published. <laughs> I do not agree with people publishing their works and changing the names and then profiting off of either A, somebody else's world that someone else has created in their characters, or B, real life people uh, in their lives, because that just feels gross to me. So write whatever you want and publish it for free and share it with people. That's amazing. There's an amazing community online. I don't think that people should be able to profit for it, though. I feel like what you get out of it, at least what I've gotten out of it, is feedback and a great community. Yeah, It's not the same market. You wouldn't publish the same things 
online anonymously that you would publish with your name attached to a book if you're first handing it into a publisher. And I think that's one of the problems here. It had such a following that they based it off of how many copies would sell and not necessarily the quality. Not that there's not shitty books out there. There are. But I don't think that this crossover should exist. <laughs> and this is where we started to disagree a little bit. I, I get it in the context of Wattpad because Wattpad is a very different world than reading a published book. You're writing to keep your readers interested because sometimes you post once a month, sometimes you post five times a week. However, <laughs> because this is now a published book and she is published by fucking Shyman and... Not Shyman. <laughs> Shyman and Schuster. <laughs> Fucking Simon and Schuster have sensitivity readers up the fucking wahoo. <laughs> I was gonna go with wazoo, but I was like, that's a weird word. And then you said wahoo, and I was like, nope, that's a weirder word. <laughs> We're rolling with it. I guess what I'm trying to say is this is not the first time that something shocking and disgusting has happened in this series. Um, like we had, uh, Savannah had mentioned it earlier of Harden who made a game of filming girls while they had sex and then like sh sending it around to people um without these girls knowledge and we have the brutal rape of Harden's mother that's only used to further Harden's character and quote unquote explain why he is the way that he is and then you and then you get this what happens to Tessa and how her friends literally tr try to hold her down and rape her I'm never going to judge you for reading what you read because like I mentioned, this series was a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. I always wanted to know what was going to happen. And then I read that scene and I like, I've never had a book impact me in such a negative way. I don't know, man, protect your mental health. And like, again, you have no idea what's going to set you off and I think that this was a really good lesson for me personally and then on top of that you had gone something similar like gone through something similar a little bit before that right well and I didn't bring it up because I felt like if this hadn't happened I might have never brought it up because I was like I'm literally just reading this like two page thing that this person has written and the one that I read was actually written very well and with a lot of positive support from friends and family and there were trigger warnings and it was cited like I, I knew what I was getting into and you're right you never know what is going to set you off you never know what's going to be difficult to read I think it's also a good reminder to not downplay the way that you're feeling because bottom line if something set you off something set you off and I never heard anybody I'm hoping this is helpful for someone because I never heard anybody talk about it like this to me when I heard trigger warnings before I got into the world podcasts, it was in reference to uh, college classes where students were asking like, oh, we should be able to have trigger warnings beforehand for reading material. And it was presented in a very derogatory way. Um, like there was the example of, of a world religions class in the art, this article that I was reading about these kids who were like, oh, well, the, the, crucifixion isn't something that we should talk about in class because that's very violent and triggering and just thing, things like that where it was presented as like oh like kids can't even handle blood and gore these days just stuff like that and so I didn't have a negative perception of it I wasn't like oh we should stop doing that but I also didn't feel like oh that's a thing that's super necessary to put these warnings on everything 
And then I started getting into podcasts and I noticed that they would do that. A, a lot of the fiction podcasts that I follow would do that before every episode. They would say, hey, this episode includes references to homophobia or to self-harm or to sexual assault or to whatever. And they would just say, hey, this is just in the episode. Avoid it if you want to. And I was like, hmm, that's like a really chill way to do things. And that's not as dramatic as everyone made it seem. <laughs> What a good idea it is that we all take care of each other. I don't want to say I was really against the idea of putting trigger warnings in our episodes, but I was just like, I don't think we we necessarily talk about um, really triggering things. And Savannah was like, well, for example, like in the in the Ignite Me episode, we talk a lot about um, domestic violence and abuse. Suicides discussed a lot in that book as well. Which I think... I think to me, in my mind, I was like, well, if that doesn't trigger me, like, why would it trigger someone else? I, I learned a lot from this experience with this book. My final thought on our conversation that we had had, and this doesn't have to be, like, you don't have to give your final thought and we're done now. Yeah. But like, this, this was a bit of our disagreement. I completely see where you were coming from with, I don't understand how an author could do this. I don't understand how an author would get published. I was more upset with... The publishing company themselves honestly and all of the people who hold this up as a romance because you have teenagers reading this book you have really young girls reading this book argument fact, whether or not they should be <laughs> it's it's probably more young readers than it is right. adult adult readers or like new adult age frame if that makes sense yeah especially now that the movies come out and that they've doled everything down i mean i would say the movie is pretty harmless actually so oh, it's very that, harmless in comparison to the books <laughs> um going from that to the books i don't want my sisters growing up thinking this is what romance looks like or that any of this is okay so from an author perspective i can 100 percent see where she ended up with millions of viewers i mean on the cover one billion reads online um, she's getting all this positive feedback. A publishing company says, hey, we want to publish you. You just got to keep like upping the ante, making it making it interesting. And so she just keeps writing the way that she always has been. And like we said, you can you can go through something like sexual assault and you can write about it and you can write about it in unhealthy ways and never see a problem with it. Um, I'm sure a lot of the people that are or I don't want to say, I don't want to make assumptions, but I'm sure that people who write about unhealthy, abusive relationships in their stories that they post online, a lot of them have been in those relationships themselves, and a lot of them have not. But my problem is with the publishing company and the publicity that this book is getting, and that it is being marketed as a romance. I don't really blame Anna Todd for that or whatever she wrote, because if you want to write stuff that other people might find triggering, that's fine. I feel like you have the freedom to write whatever you want and post it online, as long as you're putting trigger warnings and being respectful of your readers. But when you get into the publishing world, I think you have a different responsibility. I mean, I agree to an extent. Like, I personally- right, we diverge want... a little bit here. <laughs> we do. Like, I, I agree with you fundamentally. I think I do place more um, accountability on Anna Todd because- like me personally, I, I won't ever pick up any of her books again. And for me, it's just because I now know she places very traumatic things for shock value and to try and get you to like feel some sort of emotion. Um, she'll just throw them in there carelessly. And I now know that that is uh, sometimes not the best thing for my mental health. Like this entire series has kind of been uh, triggering in that 
I have relived a past relationship while while reading it and now having a very visceral reaction I never could have predicted. So like for me personally, I'm never gonna pick up her books again. I'm never going to judge someone who does because I get it, like I do. I, re I really understand why this would be a, a series that people enjoy. Right, and that's, I, I think that's where I hit the, the conflict is like, I can see where there would be people who know that this is an abusive relationship, but they still enjoy reading this and this is their jam and they really like this series. And if you have an audience, if you're writing for yourself and you like it and you have an audience that enjoys it, then sure, that's your right. Go and write those things. Um, it's just um, I, I mean, like I positive. I agree. Like, I, I do think it's different now that it's been published versus if it was just on Wattpad. Um, but furthermore, I think it's troublesome for me that you are an author writing in the 2010s and now the 2020s and you still think it's okay or feel justified in throwing things like sexual assault <laughs> in is well, just a plot point. And here, here is where I am going to name and shame a book that I hate that was going to be on our reading list, but after this whole conversation, we have removed yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm glad you brought this up because I, I was going to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not just Anna Todd and it's not just Wattpad authors. I also want to throw yeah. out that I have read some fan fiction that is like elevated beyond published books that I have read. Like some of my favorite mm -hmm. authors are, I don't even know what their real names are. And uh, there's some very high quality there. Just going to leave that there. But... <laughs> Um, there's this book that just came out. It was a James Patterson Presents. It was called Girls of Paper and Fire. As most books are, <laughs> James Patterson Presents. Goddamn. At least he's not, at least they're not fucking ghostwriters anymore. At least they're getting some fucking credit. Right? <laughs> well, I'm sure he still has those too. Oh, I'm sure. Just, what is he doing? Why does he get to present so many books? I don't understand. I love the Maximum Ride series. I have a lot of mixed feelings. Things are up in the air right now. But, okay, I'm sorry. Side note, do you ever remember seeing the commercials on TV of James Patterson being like, I'm so excited to talk to you about my new book. <laughs> I remember those. And I was like, yes, James Patterson, tell me about your book that you, like, wrote half of and someone else wrote the other half of and it wasn't really you, but I don't even care because I'm 10 and I love you. <laughs> it's just like him in, like, a brown suit jacket in a dark room sitting on a stool. <laughs> Which honestly goals, I would like a brown suit to wear. I would like a commercial. I would like to sit very seriously. The stool is like one of those round ones and my feet are yes. off the floor. Yes. Yep. I'm staring into a spotlight. My eyes are radiant. <laughs> I am James Patterson. <laughs> I, James Patterson's daughter, would like to tell you about my future book. Can you imagine it? Yeah, but like I immediately thought of Delphi and Voldemort. So like not positive okay, vibes. Put that back. Take that away. Um, Reeling it back, back in. I forgot. So help me. <laughs> so help me. I forgot that we're locking the cursed child into a box and pretending like it never yep. happened. Yep. 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 I have to say, Girls of Paper and Fire is was written by a queer author. She has a blog post about it. Um, she is also a sexual assault survivor. So this is just proof to me that you can. <laughs> go through an experience that is triggering. Mm. You can write about the experience that is triggering and you can still write it in a way that is upsetting and triggering to other people. A lot of people enjoyed it and a lot of uh, people said that they really appreciated the way that sexual assault was presented. I'm going to give you my interpretation having read uh, the book. Basically, these girls are called to the palace to be 
sexual slaves for a demon king. Um, and they are the eight most beautiful girls in the land. And it follows their story as two of them fall in love while they are at the palace. Two biggest things that I found disgusting, and then we'll move on. They go to these classes where they are groomed and taught how to be sex toys for the king and how to not flinch or look upset, but to like look like they're enjoying it. That really turned me off. And also there is a scene where the main character is supposed to go in and have sex with the king and she shuts down and she like pushes him off and is fighting back. And the way that this is presented, at least for a portion of the book, is, well, why didn't the rest of you fight back? Like she gets in trouble for fighting back. They take away her food and they beat her up so she almost dies. It's very much presented as, well, she was willing to fight back because she wasn't willing to have this thing done, this horrible thing done to her. But the other girls are just going through with it. And how gross is it that they're acting like they're okay with this? And when really they're all just trying to stay alive. I didn't like it. Also, the two girls who fall in love have like no chemistry. That's like really not a point. <laughs> it's like really but it less is important. Kind of a point. But like... it is important. <laughs> but it's less important than the fact that the sexual assault was portrayed very badly. I ironically, I was the one who was who like really pushed to put it on the schedule. In fact, Savannah kept saying, I don't think we should do that book. I think it's a bad idea. And I think in my mind, I was like, this is going to be a good opportunity to talk about rape culture. But now we're not going to go looking for it. If it comes right. to us and we're able to talk about it, we'll talk about it. But I'm hoping this is the last in-depth deep episode we have to have because we're not going to go looking for it. And I'm hoping we don't find it. And I hope we just find some fun. I want to get back to like, I'm so excited for Caraval because I'm so excited yeah. to just get back to like the fun, like where's where are the weird color descriptions and everyone being fascinated with blood play. Like <laughs> never thought that I would right. be nostalgic for that, but I really want it back. Thanks for letting us rant about <laughs> sexual assault it's after the cut and everything is happy and sunny and great and um still please be careful with yourself because the books we're talking about still involve sexual assault but also like in a not horrible way so we're gonna go through four book <laughs> book recommendations i actually like that i made a new word i'm coining it if you use it you have to pay me five dollars uh book recommendation no one's going to use that. I'm going to use it every day. You will I still be poor as fuck. I don't know what to tell you. I wish that you would use it to support me, but I, as we have learned in past episodes, cannot force you to do anything, so. Then I'll just be the one paying it, and you'll only be making money because I'm saying it. Yeah, it's like you real know? world Monopoly. I love Monopoly. Like, I love you, and I support <laughs> you, but I'm not, not if that means I have to pay you $5 every time I say that word. <laughs> I like how you're avoiding it as if we've already made this unsocial <laughs> contract. My first book recommendation is Shout uh, by Lori Holtz Anderson. And I feel like a lot of you, if you're listening to, this is a book review podcast, welcome. Um, if you are listening to it, I feel like you've heard of Speak before, at least in the vague recesses of your memory. Um, it if was, not read it in school. Yeah, or read it in school. Um, Where it wasn't banned. <laughs> <laughs> right, goddamn. Um Basically, she she wrote a, a fictional book about uh, her experience with sexual assault as a teenager um, and just her coming to terms with that uh, through art and through some supportive teachers and learning to find her voice 
And uh, it, it's a very heavy book, but a very good book. It was banned from a lot of schools. And she actually talks about that um, in her follow-up shout, which is not fictional. It's autobiographical. It's a super fast read because it's actually written uh, in poetry form, which is super interesting. Um, <laughs> I finished it in two hours. I think I couldn't put it down, but she just talks about her early life. Um, she talks about after she's published her book, trying to visit these schools and connect with these kids when people do not want to be talking openly about this topic. And um, I just really admire her as an author. And it's a it's a really great read. My first book recommendation is one that is very hard hitting. I, I really pushed Savannah to read this book and she did not finish it and I don't blame you for not finishing it because it's 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 a lot. This book is a lot. It was um, just heavy and I prefer to have yeah. less heavy books in my f- spare time. It's just a it's just it's hard. a lot. It's hard yeah. to get through. Yeah. It's called Missoula by John Krakauer. It's a nonfiction book where Krakauer talks about the rape epidemic that happens at the University of Montana. It specifically follows the stories of women who attend the University of Montana and experience sexual assault and how there was only, out of all of the stories that are detailed in this book, there was only one person who was ever convicted um, by the end. And it just, you're, the way that it's handled is so well done in that all of the survivors share their stories in the way that they felt comfortable sharing their stories, but you also get the perspective of law enforcement um, and, like, what their investigation process was. It's a book that makes you feel like you want to change things, you know? Like, it's a book that, like, puts you on your feet and, like, you you feel like you need to do something. We have poetry. We have social science book. My second book recommendation is, is called A Girl Made of Stars. And... Wow, this book tackles a lot of things. I always kind of hate saying that because I wish all books would do this because people are complex and so characters should be complex and not just have one aspect of their personalities. It follows the main character, Mara, and her twin brother, Owen. The premise is that Mara's friend, Hannah, accuses Mara's twin, Owen, of raping her. And so Mara's kind of stuck in the middle. She's not sure what to think. Her brother is saying that he didn't do it um but she her parents are vehemently defending him right even though they've both been brought up like we believe women and they've been brought up in a very open feminist household um and mara is also bisexual and so she is at the same time trying to figure out this relationship with her ex-girlfriend charlie who is also dealing with um questions about her gender identity and so you're you're covering a lot of topics and I just really liked the intersectionality of it um mainly because so often when you see queer characters depicted or uh survivors of sexual assault depicted that's really the only aspect that you get of their personality which is ridiculous because so many women have experienced sexual assault and there are a lot of people who are queer and there's so much more to those people and to those stories. And so I think sticking it all together in a book, this book just felt very real and it it was, it's very emotional to see as well 
what happens when somebody that you love is accused of something like that? I think something that this book did really well is it shows that you can still love your family member even if you are questioning. It just, it covers a really difficult area where it's like, words. <laughs> well, okay, here's the thing, here's the thing that I really liked. Uh, this is a, this is a really cool thing, actually, that I saw on Tumblr. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Savannah. <laughs> um, I thought you were a nice guest. <laughs> sorry. Follow Savannah at nice guest on Tumblr. <laughs> it's not my Tumblr. None of you will ever know what my Tumblr handle is. Um, I saw this ad campaign uh, that had just been released. I think it was in Japan, but I could be very wrong. It was in, or Canada, one of those. <laughs> it was in a, those are very different places. It was in a place that wasn't the US. Actually, oh god, my face is bleeding a lot. Sorry, I picked at it. Can you see it? It's Not bleeding. really. I mean, yes, I can, but. It's bleeding a lot. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm gonna grab this paper towel. Okay, I'm gonna start. Oh my god. I know. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Bitch, are you okay? <laughs> No. <laughs> Listeners, okay. Savannah's blood no, literally shot across the room and onto the screen. There is blood covering her camera. I can no longer see Savannah. Blood is spurty. Help me. This is why you don't pick your zits, kids. I'm sorry, I'm cutting all of this out. Anyway, I'm trying. <laughs> That's a lot of fucking blood, man. It's because I'm iron deficient. <laughs> Have I mentioned to you all that I am, um,. I was about to say amnesiac, but that's not right. And neither is aphrodisiac. What is the word I'm looking for? Both an amnesiac and aphrodisiac and anemic. <laughs> I'm all of the above. <laughs> I'm just checking all those Hello. boxes. Okay. I saw an ad campaign the other day on Tumblr. It was just depictions of all different couples, all different types of couples. So there were gay couples, straight couples, um, interracial relationships. And the tagline was just like, uh, the taglines were just like, it's, it's, the website is called mystrength.org. And it's a campaign targeted at men. And it just says men can stop rape. And uh, the different taglines are like, so when she changed her mind, I stopped. Uh, so when he was too drunk to have sex, I stopped. It's, just like such a wholesome ad campaign of all of these couples saying like these are different reasons for me to stop and it's not about make sure that your drink isn't drugged make sure you're not walking home late at night it's like no the responsibility is on us as human beings to treat each other with respect yeah but like remember when Gillette did that ad campaign and when I watched it I was like oh yeah like let's all just be decent human beings and oh my god the razor and the, like the, like fucking people came out of the woodworks to be like not all men are like this and it's like that's literally not the fucking point but like okay George thanks flushing my razors down the toilet I was like that's gonna be I'm, bad on your plumbing but okay um I recently this is actually very different from the other ones that we talked about in that this is actually a it's a comedic autobiographical but also makes a lot of political statements so like if you if you don't like very left-leaning uh feminist comedy like you're not gonna like this book or this podcast um, it's get out or <laughs> That too, I mean, honestly, like, if you're just now figuring that out, like, surprise, bitch, we're here. 
so it's called Shrill by Lindy West. I just finished it last night, actually. Um, it, mainly it talks a lot about how uh, Lindy came to accept herself as fat and takes a lot of it. And she, it's just kind of like reclaiming the, the term fat and um, one of, like the reason I'm bringing it up now is there's this, um, one of the essays that's in there is she talks about how uh, she, Lindy is a, she publishes for a lot of online forums. She writes her, her own articles online. Um, and one of the ways that she got really popular is she uh, spoke out a lot against comedians who were making jokes about rape. And she, it talks a lot about how rape isn't funny. Like we just shouldn't be joking about that and how it can be very trigger triggering to audience members to be sitting there and have someone like, <laughs> Daniel Tosh ra joke about raping people on stage and and how isolating it can be for those audience members. Well, and I um, imagine like hearing the audience around you laughing about that as exactly, well. Exactly. Exactly. Um so she she talks a lot about that and then it also kind of goes into her experience of once she publicly I'm sorry, once she publicly put herself out there as a woman who is not thin, who is who self-identifies as fat, basically being told why are you even a part of this conversation like no one would want to rape you so like what's what's the point of your argument anyways um so talk, it, it's just a really interesting flip side of things of she's someone who wasn't sexually assaulted but also being an advocate for um rape survivors and and i don't i don't know it's just a really good I think it's a really good book to talk about rape culture um, and maybe not so much the, the actual topic of rape, but how it can be harmful to joke about things that are as serious as rape um, while still making a, a, I don't know. Sure. No, that didn't that really makes, make much. That does yeah. make sense. I think that does make sense. Um, it was really good. And also it's hilarious. So like it just, it was a good laugh, but it also got serious as most political commentaries do. Sure. Which I think that we need, I think that's a good place to bring this episode is, hey, we can still have like good, happy conversations um, and we can still be respectful to each other. And I like that. Um, so just to kind of recap, we will be having trigger warnings in all of our episodes from now on, um, and I will go back and add all those of them in this that week. have trigger if, warnings if they need any that we can think of. Yeah, sure. And if you think of some that we haven't included, and you notice that we missed something, please message us and let us know, and I will add that in post haste. We have two questions this week, and you can pick which one you would like to respond to. And we won't be offended, but I'll be really sad if you don't pick my question instead of Caitlin's. My question <laughs> is. What is the weirdest slash best thing that you have started doing uh, self-care wise during quarantine? Um, I will answer and say that probably the strangest thing I've ever done, and this wasn't during quarantine, but there was a period of my life where I would eat burritos on the floor of my shower. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. I can't think of anything specifically. However, your story about a steam room burrito <laughs> did remind me about how I was trying to recover from reading after so i took a really steamy shower and apparently the fire alarms in my oh, yes. apartment complex are so sensitive that if you take a really steamy shower and you don't turn on the fan you can and will turn on turn off the fire alarms like they'll go off and i learned that because i set off the fire alarms and that's all <laughs> that would be death for me well like what the fuck like that, who knew you know that seems like, like an error a programming error 
The other question of the week is, what book series should we replace now that we've gotten rid of the after series? That's my happy song. I think it's an actual song, but I don't know where it's from. Um, with that, you can find us on Twitter at Worst THNG We Read on Twitter, and you can also reach us on Instagram at Worst Thing We Read, and you can also send us an email at Worst Thing We Read at Gmail. You can also follow us on Goodreads. Uh, I am Caitlin Burton, and the singing nice guest over there is Savannah <laughs> Tiffany. We will leave that information down in the show notes. <laughs> and with that, we will see you next week. Not with our eyes, but no, with, with our, our mouths. mouths. <laughs>